This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 73. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, and I want to welcome you, whether this is your first time ever listening to the show or if you're a regular listener, thanks for taking the time out of your day to listen. And Learn Jazz Standards, our blog and our podcast, it is all about helping you become a better jazz musician by giving out jazz lessons, tips, advice, and, and resources for helping you become a better musician in general. And on today's episode 73, I have no other intentions than to continue doing just that. Today, I'm going to be talking about a very important chord progression in jazz, and that is the 251, specifically a major 251. I'm going to give you four different uh, strategies for improvising over this chord progression, how to approach it, some tools and some processes to help walk you through approaching this really important chord progression. So I'm really excited to have you along and I'm really excited to share with you some demonstrations. I'm going to be playing some examples for you today and uh, giving some different tips on how to do that. So please stay tuned. You can find today's show notes at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 73. So if you want to go check that out later, feel free to do that. Well, I'm getting ready to go on vacation on the next week. I hope you're enjoying your summer. I know that I could really use a break. I've been working so hard. I talked about last week on the podcast how uh, me and the LGS team have been working insanely hard on a new ear training course called How to Play What You Hear. And that's coming along really awesome. Make sure you're signed up for the newsletter at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. I really keep uh, the newsletter crowd really uh, up to date on all the new things that are going on. But I'm uh, working also hard and creating lots of great content while I'm gone. We have a special guest coming up on the podcast uh, this this upcoming month in August here. Uh, last week, we had Noah Kageyama, uh, who's a performance psychologist, talk to us on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that episode and also some really awesome blog blog post coming out uh, in August that I'm I'm particularly excited about. So be sure to stay tuned uh, with all the happenings, Learn Jazz Standards on the LJS podcast and on our blog. All right, let's jump into today's lesson, four strategies for improvising over major two, five, ones. All right, now two five ones are are definitely some of the most important chord progressions you can find in jazz because you see them all of the time, all of the time. And so it's important that you have a really good grasp on how to improvise over these. And part of that is learning jazz language over them, you know, extracting licks from recordings, listening to how jazz musicians 
played over top of these chord progressions, but the other part of it is actually applying concepts to them and practicing them and, and spending some time getting to know them. And that's exactly what we are going to do today. So I got my guitar out. I'm a guitar player. Now, this is the first time listening to this podcast. You should know this is not just for guitar players. I'm a guitar player, but whatever instrument you play, this applies to you. I just want to make sure that much is clear. Now, whenever I do lessons like this, I want to make sure to cover all of my bases here. I know that a lot of listeners on this show come from a lot of different levels of playing and a lot of different understandings of music theory. And so if you're hearing 2-5-1 chord progression and you're not really sure what I'm talking about, that's okay. I would highly suggest that you go to a lesson that we have on our blog. Go to learnjazzstandards.com and in the search bar, look for how to harmonize major scales with seventh chords. That really explains really well how the numbering system with chord progressions work and just how we derive chord progressions. So definitely go check that out. But really quickly, essentially, the, the, the numbering system is based off of scale tones. So if we have a C major scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, that's seven notes. Each one has a number. C is one, D is two, E is three, and they all have different qualities of chords. And so for the sake of today's lesson, I just want you to trust me that if we, uh, if I have the two chord in the key of C, it's going to be a D minor seventh chord, okay? The two chord is a D minor seventh chord. And the five chord, if we go up the scale, C, D, E, F, G, that's the fifth tone, the five chord is a G dominant seven. And the one chord, of course, is a C major seven. That's the first tone of the scale, and it's a major seventh chord. So take my word for it if you are completely new, if you're a complete novice to this stuff, but definitely go check out that post to get further clarification. All right, so in the key of C, a two, five, one is a D minor seven, and then a G dominant seven, and then a C major seven. Sounds familiar, right? Okay, so D minor 7, G7, C major 7. Now, how do we approach this? Well, I'm going to give you sort of a very stepwise formula here to how you can practice these, kind of a steps one through four sort of a deal, and you don't have to go through them in a stepwise process, but they're really just separate strategies that can also work together uh, that kind of build off of each other. So number one, the first concept I want to go over is simply approaching each one of these chords with a scale. So so think about scales relating to each one of these chords. Now, if you go back to episode 61 of this podcast, I talk about how to use scales the right way. And if you listen to that episode, which I encourage you to do after this episode is over, if you haven't yet, I talk about how using scales to think of them as pitch collections, not as a means to actually improvise, but just a way to map out the different notes you can use. And so this first uh, method of just kind of mapping out the scales for each chord can be really helpful just to uh, open up and, and help you visualize what your note choices are. So let's talk about the first chord, D minor seven. That's the two chord. What can we play over that? What scale can we play? Well, the one that I would suggest is the Dorian scale or the Dorian mode. Now, if you don't understand modes completely, that's okay. Essentially, in the major scale, there is a mode for every single scale tone, the same as there's a chord quality for every single scale tone that you can harmonize. So essentially how this works is a Dorian mode is a, the easiest way to think about it, honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest, is just to think about it as start the C major scale. If we're the key of C, 
start the C major scale on the second tone and end the scale on the second tone. Okay, that's the that's the easiest way to think about a Dorian mode. So this is what it would sound like. It starts on D. to do two octaves just to be thorough there that's a dorian mode and that plays over top of that d minor seven okay so that's the scale that i would suggest thinking about over top of that particular chord now when we go to the five chord we go to the mixolydian scale or the mixolydian mode and again that's essentially starting the major scale, the C major scale on the fifth tone. I just think that's the easiest way to think about it. Well, what's the fifth tone of a C major scale? It's a G, right? This is the five chord we're talking about here. So essentially we're starting the C major scale on a G and ending on a G, and that's called the mixolydian mode. So it sounds like this. Now, the five chord is probably the chord that you have the most options with. You could play other scales on top of this. For example, if you wanted to play like an altered scale over top, so if you had a chord that was like a G7 flat 13 or G7 sharp 11 or a sharp 9, like or one of these kinds of sounds, you could play the altered scale. So... You know, a sound like that instead over top of it. But for now, I just kind of want to stick with the Mixolydian scale because that's the most basic thing. All right, so then the last chord is the one chord. C major seven. So what scale could you play over that? Well, obviously, you just play the basic regular old C major scale. Right? So what's the moral of the story from this so far? It's that you really should know your major scales really well, right? Like that would be really important. Okay, now the next step is you got to tie all this together. So how do we do that? Well, it's the basic place to start is simply by playing the scale up and then starting on the next chord. Now, luckily, if we treat these all as eighth notes, right, you can essentially play eight notes per chord, which happens to be one entire octave of the scale. So it sound like this. Just for a little context, let me play that over a backing track of a 251. All right, so now if you want to be really thorough, though, you want to be able to play that backwards, too. So maybe you start at the high, like a higher note, a higher octave note for a D minor 7. So we'll start at a high D. All right, so here's what it sounds like in context. All 
All right, so that's the first concept that you can use is just use the scales to map out those pitch collections. This is not necessarily the end all of the improvisation here because as you can hear, everything kind of melts together a lot. In fact, the only thing really distinguishing it from just being a C major scale is the fact that we're starting on the roots of every single mode, right? The Dorian mode, the mixed leading mode, and the C major scale, which is also called the Ionian mode. So the second concept that I want to talk about that kind of goes into it after that is to simply play the arpeggios, or I like to better call them the chord tones, okay? So let's, let's go over that for a second and how we can start approaching that. Essentially, let's look at the D minor 7 and figure out what the chord tones are. How do you build a D minor 7th chord? Well, you may or may not know. It starts with the root, which is D. And then you have the flat 3rd. And then you have the 5th. And then you have the flat 7. Okay, that makes a D minor 7th chord. All right, now let's go to the G7. How do you build the G7th chord? It is the root. It's the third. In this case, that's B. It's the fifth. That's D. And it is the flat seven. Okay, so the root, the major third, the fifth, the flat seven. And then, of course, how do you do make a, a C major seventh chord? What are the chord tones? It's the root, the major third, E. It's the fifth, it's a G, and the major seventh, which is B natural. Okay. So let's play, I'm going to really quickly play two octaves of each one of these. So the D minor seventh. Okay, now the G seven. And now the C major seven. Now, it's good to know those all by themselves, but of course, the most important thing is that you know how to connect them together. So the best way you can really do it is, again, treat these like eighth notes. So essentially what you're going to do, uh, and again, it, it depends on what instrument you play because sometimes this stuff can go out of your range. So pick a key that works for you, adjust this so it works for your instrument. But the easiest way to do this is to go two octaves up every single or up or down every single arpeggio so what i like to do is on the two chord i go up the arpeggio to two octaves then i hit the nearest root note of the g7 on the five chord and go down the arpeggio and then i hit the nearest root of the one chord and go up the arpeggio two octaves so it sounds like this All right, so you can start actually hearing those chords come out now, right? It's a little different from the, the scales. When we're doing the scales, it just sounds sort of like, all right, C major scale, but, you know, obviously we're starting on the roots differently, different parts of the scale. And now when you're playing the arpeggios, the chord tones, you start to hear those chords come out. It's still not necessarily music. It's still not necessarily a line that you would want to play uh, at a jam session or a gig while you're, while you're playing, but it starts to outline those chords better, right? So let's, I'm gonna play that with a backing track again just so you can hear what that sounds like.
All right, so there you have that. Now, the next step you can go with that is instead of starting on the root of every single, every time we switch to a new chord, go to the nearest chord tone. So let me explain that really quick. We're still going up two octaves and down two octaves, but it sounds like this. So we start on the D minor seven. And now the nearest chord tone to the G is a half step down, and that's going to be the third, which is a B natural. So I'm going to go down the arpeggio from the B natural. Okay, now I'm going to hit the third of the C major seven. So I'm going to go up now, up in pitch, I mean by that, and I'm going to hit the third, so it's going to be an E natural. Okay, does that make sense? So let me just play it in context for you. All right, so does that make sense for you right there? So I'm basically hitting the nearest chord tone. Now again, I realize fully that that might uh, go outside the range of your instrument. That's okay. It's just important that you understand the concept and that you can start working on this. So so far we've we've had the the scales, which are the pitch collections, all the notes in the scape that we can use, at least all the diatonic notes. Right? We we haven't even touched chromatics or anything like that yet. We did talk about the altered scale. But that's as far as we went. And then we went to the arpeggio, so now we're really hearing those chord changes come out. Now, the third uh, concept that I want to talk about is the next natural step, and that's defining what are those important notes in those chords that are going to help us define the chord and connect to other chords. And what we call these are guide tones. Now, way back in episode 53, we did talk about guide tones. We did a whole episode based on the idea of guide tones. So if, you, if you'd like to check that out after this podcast episode, you can go back to episode 53 and listen to that to get a little more clarification. But a little bit of a spoiler alert for you. What are the guide tones? Well, in general, for every single chord, the guide tones are the third and the seventh of each chord. Now, now, why do we call them guide tones? Well, these are important structural chord tones. The third, if, if you really go through all the formulas of the different chords, whether it's uh, major, dominant, minor, half diminished, or diminished, seven, you realize that the important chord tones that are changing are the third and the seventh. Those are constantly changing. And yeah, when you get to half diminished and diminished, there is the fifth that's changing into flat five. But in general, the most important ones or the flat th the three, whether it's a, th a major third or a flat three, or the seventh, whether it's a major seventh or a flat seventh. And it just so happens to be that they also voice lead into each other really well. Voice leading mean melodically move into each other. So the, the, the first step is really just to identify what are the guide tones in each chord. Okay, so let's go to the D minor seventh chord. So here's the arpeggio. So what's the third of this chord? Third is F on the D minor 7. What is the seventh? Well, it's a flat seventh, actually. It is a C. So those are your guide tones, F and C. Okay, let's go to the G7, the five chord. What are the guide tones for that? Well, here's the arpeggio. Okay, so the third is B natural. And the seventh is what? F. The seventh is F. 
So here they are. Those are your two. Right? Okay. So what are the third and the seventh, the guide tones of C major seven? Here's the arpeggio. Third is E. And the seventh is B natural. Okay, so now I'm going to go play through the guide tones of each chord, D minor 7, G7, and C major 7, one after each other. And each time I'm going to start with the 3rd to the 7th, 3rd to the 7th, 3rd to the 7th. So it sounds like this. One more time. Okay, now it's kind of weird, right? Because you can actually hear those chords and I'm just playing the third and the seventh. It's pretty amazing, right? So would those two notes be really important in your improvisation to focus on? Yeah, definitely. Now, the other thing that you should know is when you're talking about the guide tones, when, whenever you have chords that are moving in fourths, essentially the third of one chord is going to be the seventh of the next. So in this particular case, the D minor 7, the third is F. Now guess what? The seventh of G is what? F. Okay, now what is the third of G? It's a B natural, right? And guess what? What is the seventh of C major? It's a B natural. So interesting how that voice leading works. And this is why we call them guide tones, because when they're cycling in force, which a lot of progressions in jazz do, and of course, that's what the 251 is doing, D to G to C, they're cycling in intervals of fourths. They voice lead into each other so well. So the idea that, that you really want to hone into, if you really want to hear those chord changes move from each other, you want to essentially lead from the seventh into the third. Okay, if you're constantly leading from the seventh into the third, you're going to hear those changes in the chord. All right, now the best way to demonstrate this for you is to essentially build a lick and connect the, the sevenths and the thirds together and, and build a lick around that idea. So actually, I've already recorded a lick uh, on the piano, so I'm going to play that for you. And, and it's very diatonic. I have no chromatic notes in it. This is really just strictly to demonstrate for you how these can connect together. So listen to it, and then I'll explain it. All right, so not the most creative lines, but just to reiterate, the rule that I'm using here in this lick is that the, th the seventh of one chord is always resolving to the third of the next chord. And in this case, that third is being played on beat one of the measure the chord starts in. Okay, so, so the line starts out like this. And that's all D minor seven. And this note here is the seventh of D which is a C, and it resolves into the third of G7, which is the B. So, okay, hear that transition there? And then the line continues. This note here, that's the seventh of G, that's F. And then it lands on the third of C, which is E. 
here's the line. All right, seventh to the third. Here's the seventh to the third. Okay, so you can you can do your own lines and licks. You can make up your own ideas for yourself and connect them together with the same logic. The seventh of one chord to the third of the next. And this works when you're cycling in force in a diatonic series. Now, the fourth and last concept I want to talk about when, when dealing with these two five ones or really any chord progression is simply taking a super simple melodic line and trying to improvise off of it. Essentially, you're taking uh, one chord tone or one extension, one note from each chord and you're using it as a melody to connect with each other. Let me explain. So let's just say that I want to start with the ninth of a D minor seven. So here's a D minor nine chord. Okay, and the note in question here is the ninth. The ninth is E in this case. And let's just say I want to chromatically connect this top melody note here. So I'm going to go a half step down. Okay, so now we have uh, an E flat, which is the flat 13 of a G7. And then I want to end on the major 9, on C major 9. Okay, so now listen to that voice leading on that top note. So now what happens if I just start messing around and I try to create lines that reflect that melody? Not that the, the melody has to be just that, but that I'm going to be using that melody as a reference to play off of. So let me just mess around with a few different ideas. those are just a few ideas off the top of my head, but they're all using that melody, referencing that melody. So let me try one other melody just to give you more examples here. Let's try this. Okay, so in this case, we're starting on the fifth of the D minor seven, and then we're going to the flat 13 of the G7, and then we're ending on the third of the C major seven, okay, so the E. So let's try that. So again, just using that original melody as a reference and playing around that. Now, you could spend a long time on just one melody trying to come up with a bunch of different ideas, messing around, stumbling around a little bit, and then coming up with some cool ideas of your own. This is an excellent practice to work on, so I hope you'll take that into account. So let me quickly review everything I've talked about today working on two five ones. Okay, so first I approached it with scales, the Dorian, the Mixolydian, and the Ionian mode. I connected them together, both going forwards and going backwards. Then we did arpeggios, chord tones, first identifying what those chord tones were separately, then connecting them together, both by connecting them with the roots and also connecting them to the nearest chord tones. Then we talked about guide tones, which are the most important 
notes in the chord, the third and the seventh. And we talked about how to connect them together by connecting them with the seventh to the third in that voice leading motion. And then lastly, I just talked about creating a melody and trying to create lines off of that bass melody. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining in. Again, the show notes can be found at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 73. I appreciate you checking this out today. Now, I also want to suggest you today our ebook Zero to Improv, which is an ebook that helps you become a better jazz improviser from the ground up. It's a great resource for stuff we've been talking about today and many other music theory related items and jazz improv items. You can find that at zero to improv.com. Definitely worth your time checking out that ebook. Now remember if you got some value at today's show Feel free to head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. It seriously really does help and helps other people find this podcast. All right, now we're going to be coming out with a brand new episode 74 next week. Until then, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.